0: This episode is brought to you in partnership with Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary, which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. They are fully accredited by the Association of Reformed Theological Seminaries. You can learn more about them at their website, cbtseminary.org.
1: Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective.
0: We pray you find this resource edifying, faithful to Scripture, and Christ-exalting. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Austin McCormick here with my co-host, Jimmy Johnson, and we have the privilege to welcome Dr. Michael Haken to the podcast to discuss And Dutton, Doctor Haken, will you tell our audience just a little bit about yourself before we get started?
2: Yeah, it's great to be with you. Um, I teach full time uh, church history at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, which is in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I've been there since uh, full time since two thousand seven, adjunct since two thousand two, and originally born in the UK. uh, Resident of Canada, so I actually commute to Southern, which is weird, but. it's a long story. Um, and uh, the areas in which I mostly teach would be uh, patristic, uh, the 4th century and 18th century, which is the period of Anne Dutton.
0: Well, we're uh, excited to get into this conversation about Anne Dutton. So let's just go ahead and jump right on in. Can you give our audience a biographical sketch on Dutton?
2: Yeah, so this is a sketch. Um, She was born in 1692 in the Midlands, uh, the central part of England. Um, Her parents were Congregationalists, and uh, around the age of 12, she had a conversion experience. Uh, Was initially going to a Congregationalist church, but then switched to an open membership, uh, open communion Baptist church. And uh that would be very similar to the view that uh, John Bunyan had held. Uh, he had died about uh ten years or so before uh, Dutton. um by the seventeen teens, she has come to Baptist convictions, has been baptized as a believer, marries a man named Mr. Cattle and uh, Thomas Cattle. Uh, we don't really know much about him at all. Um, their marriage is lasts about four to five years. He dies when she's um, about 21 or 22, and um, uh, she had moved to London with him. And typical of that period, when a woman was widowed that young, she would move back into her parents' home, which she did. So she goes back to the Midlands, Northampton, to be exact. And uh, within a year or so, she's met uh, a man named Benjamin Dutton, who was a clothier and had done some... Uh, training for ministry at a number of places, including uh, Glasgow University. Uh, they married. They're married by 1720, and then uh, by the early 1730s, he's received a call to ministry at a place called Great Gransden, which today is in the county of Cambridgeshire, uh, but then was in the county of Huntingdonshire. And uh, it's a small village. It's a beautiful village today. You can still see the house that Dutton lived in she's actually buried in the backyard of the house and also the um uh the meeting house where they they worshiped uh when they came to the village uh the meeting house was actually her home what would become her home and the church grew to the point that of about 300 on a sunday morning that uh, they had to build a new meeting house and um the couple never had children, and uh, she often would refer to her books as her children. Uh, but she begins writing in the 1730s uh, books, tracts, and letters, uh, corresponds with people like George Whitfield, John Wesley. Um, she gets along well with Whitfield. doesn't get along well with uh, Wesley. Uh, she writes him a very critical letter on his view of Christian perfection. And that uh, initiates a conversation. He uh, ends it by telling her that he doesn't think she's a believer uh, because of her criticism of him. Um, Her husband, uh, because of the debt owing onto the meeting house, they had enlarged, they built a new one and and so on, um, goes to America with Whitfield to raise money uh, for the meeting house. Money is raised, sufficient to cover the, the indebtedness. The money is sent back to Britain on a ship separate from Benjamin Dutton and his husband, and the ship that he is on founders um, near Ireland, and he's drowned. And so she's widowed a second time. The last forty years of her uh, twenty years of her life, this is uh, he dies in seventeen forty seven. She dies in seventeen sixty five. So the last roughly two decades of her life are spent writing. Um, she becomes really quite well known in certain circles uh particularly of the great awakening um her tracks are uh, printed sold in the united states um but also has wide contacts in 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 britain with people like philip doddridge who was a leading congregationalist howell harris calvinistic methodist in wales uh, george whitfield selena hastings and so on Uh, she would die in uh, 1765 um uh, she begins life as a congregationalist, is um, converted and uh, baptized in an open membership, open communion Baptist church. But by the time of her death, she would be closed membership, uh, closed communion Baptist.
1: You had already alluded to her interaction with, with John Wesley. Would you care to flesh that out? And you already mentioned that it was not cold cordial but what what were the main areas of debate between them and and what was it like their their interactions in particular
2: well she she begins to hear that he's teaching in bristol this doctrine of christian perfection which uh he redefines sin to some degree sin is conscious uh a violation of god's law consciously in word or deed or thought and he believes that there you, you, a believer can get to the point where he no longer sins in thought, word, or deed. Um, she feels this is completely wrong and writes writes him a very strong letter. At the same time, she writes George Whitfield um, uh, her views, and uh, Whitfield will actually use her letter as the basis for a tract that he writes against uh, against uh, Wesley. Uh, if you compare. The tract that he writes with with and Duttons is quite clear that he's he's used her tract as a base in terms of scripture references and so on. Um, the conversation ca- carries on for two or three more letters back and forth between Dutton and and Wesley, and finally he tells her, I, I, "Madam, I don't believe the Holy Spirit dwells in you," um, and really kind of brings the conversation to an end. So um, it wasn't a public debate so much as a a private really conversation via letter um she doesn't go beyond the 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 tragedy, uh, letter to george whitfield which is published um she really doesn't go public with her criticisms of uh, of wesley mm-hmm.
0: and do we know of any other interactions that dutton had with whitfield Uh,
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, There is a in the uh, uh, the four volume set of Whitfield's correspondence. There are a number of letters uh, to to, uh, Ann Dutton from him. Um, And uh, he visited her from time to time. And he also sold uh, one of her tracks. He writes a tract for a, a man named Brian. Uh, his last name Brian B R Y A N in uh, South Carolina, and that gets widely distributed. And uh, George Whitfield basically arranges for its printing and its sale and publication. So he deeply appreciated her um, in terms of her conversation. He said at one point that her conversation is as weighty as her letters. So,
1: hmm. Hmm. Um, as you mentioned, she she wrote quite a bit. Um, what? and how did she use her writing to contend for the faith and what were some of the main topics that we find in her writings
2: yeah probably the main thing that she wrote about would be the, the believers life the believers walk with god um his or her inner spiritual life um she draws heavily upon scripture her own experience her her interaction with other believers to to write her works um But there are a number of uh, um, areas in which she um, does focus certain writings. So she has a number of things on the Trinity. Um, So she hears um, uh, an evangelical preacher named William Romaine, R-O-M-A-I-N-E. He was the first evangelical Anglican preacher in London. And in fact, for the best part of probably 20 years, the only evangelical Anglican preacher in London until John Newton uh, was called in uh, 1770 to to, to St Mary Woolnoth. Um, uh, William Remain was quite a remarkable preacher, friend of Whitfield's, but she heard him preach on one occasion and was concerned about his understanding of the Trinity, and uh, was convinced that he was uh, he had erred in a couple of areas. And she wrote she wrote a very very interesting tract um, on the Trinity and the relationships between the persons within the Godhead, um, which I think is ongoing relevance today because we've had this recent kerfuffle or brouhaha a couple of years ago on the internet regarding the uh, interpersonal relationships between the members of the Godhead and how they relate to one another. And um, I think um, Anne Dutton could be of, of great value in kind of helping orient our thinking in that regard. Um, She also wrote against other eras that she saw in her day, Sandemanianism, which was what we would describe today as easy believism. Um, She had concerns about the Moravians. Uh, The Moravians had been critical in the conversion of the Wesley brothers. Uh, German-based pioneers of mission, Um, quite remarkable individuals in many respects, but... Uh, there were certain areas where she felt that they were not helpful theologically. And one of them would have been their their quietism. their are almost, um, re- they don't completely, but they're almost rejection of the means of grace. So things like the Lord's table, preaching, not so much, but things that most evangelicals in that period believed were helpful in the Christian life. The Moravians questioned their val- value. And so she has a a tract against the the Moravians. So she's not afraid to engage in certain polemics. Um, Her tone is respectful, unlike some in that period. Um, Wesley gets himself, for instance, in a debate with Augustus Toplady over Calvinism. And um, while our affinities probably would be with Toplady, he doesn't really carry himself well. He He stoops to ad hominem attacks against Wesley, and Wesley replies in kind. Uh, And Dutton never does that sort of thing. Um, She uses scripture um, reasoning uh, to critique people's positions, doesn't attack their person. Uh,
0: Dr. Haken, one member of my congregation has been reading Dutton, and she wrote the following to me to ask to you. Um, Here's the question. Why did the men in Baptist circles approve of her teaching or care about what she had to say? How did she influence men? What prevented her from being dismissed by them?
2: Yeah, the 18th century, and probably this, well, this doesn't change until the mid to late 19th century. um, Women, it was often uh, regarded that, it was often considered inappropriate for women to publish material books whatever and so women often had to write under pseudonyms or write publishes published without a name at all um Jane Austen for example published her novels uh, initially under us under uh, with no name uh they were just published anonymously um George Eliot and and mid 19th century Victorian author um she's a woman it's not a man took a man's name to get her stuff published and uh, there was criticism of Anne Dutton for writing. Um, it was felt by some. She actually notes this, that it was a violation of 1 Timothy 2, uh, 11 through 15. Um, she has a small little piece, about eight pages long, in which she defends the right of women to write. And um, she says, you know, I'm not preaching. I'm not usurping the role of a ruling teaching elder. Um when you read one of my works, it's in private. And um, after all, Apollos, for example, uh, was taught by Priscilla and by Aquila and Priscilla in private. So she said, think, you know, when you're reading one of my books, think that I'm actually come for a cup of tea and I'm just sitting there conversing with you. Uh, but she was uh, criticized by some men who felt that she was outside of her appropriate league, as it were. Her response to that was that uh, surely women uh, who have written on a variety of subjects by her her day, surely they could come out on the side of Christ and write books for the Lord Jesus. Um, Why is that inappropriate? And um, it's evident, as I said earlier, that people like George Whitfield, Howell Harris, Philip Doddridge, uh, these these men are heavyweights um, in the 18th century. Um, They deeply appreciated her writing. So I suspect the criticism that she got was mostly from maybe some fellow Baptists. But she doesn't mention who criticized her. Um, It is interesting that uh, she writes a lot. She writes about 50 books. And the other great Baptist leader of her day would have been John Gill in London. Um, He never refers to her. <clears throat> and he must have known of her writings. Um, of course, he's critical. Gill's critical of the evangelical awakening, so her her ties with that might have, in his mind, kind of uh, tainted her writings. Um, but it is curious that he never he never cites her. Hmm. Of course, he never cites Jonathan Edwards either. So uh, Jonathan Edwards write, uh, cites him, uh, his, his uh, famous book on the Song of Songs, but Gill never never once refers to Edwards, who again was <laughs> contemporary, and he must have read Edwards. Uh, Edwards' writings were being distributed in England in the 1740s, 1750s. Gill doesn't die till 1771. So the fact that he doesn't mention Ann Dutton, you know, maybe we shouldn't put too much stock in it. As I said, he doesn't mention Jonathan Edwards. But who criticizes Anne Dutton as for her writings? It's not not clear at all. Um, But there are some very, very significant figures, men, who uh, are not prepared to dismiss her. Because they recognize that God had given her a gift um, in opening up the scriptures, particularly as it relates, as I said, to Christian experience and the believer's walk with God.
1: Transitioning um, from her writing, we know that she didn't have children, as, as you mentioned. Um, do we do we know exactly why she didn't have them? Did she want children? Um, and, and was she sad that she never did?
2: Um, as far as I know, I haven't seen any correspondence or um, a lot of her diary appears to have been incorporated. Uh, I assume she kept a diary. Um, a lot of evangelicals did in that period. Uh, it seems to be incorporated into her books. Um, I mean, medical knowledge would have been nowhere near as advanced, obviously, then as it is today. And so, why she might not have had children—I mean, at this at this distance, it would be impossible to tell. Mm. Um, she doesn't say one way or the other. Um, from what I know, why she, uh, you know, what she felt about, uh, not, not, not being able to have children.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, our punchline for the covenant for the podcast covenant is that the, the covenant, covenant podcast exists yeah. to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. So we're interested to see how Ann Dutton fits into particular Baptist history. Can you uh, speak to this?
2: Yes, I mean she's uh she's right in line with the sixteen eighty nine confession. Um most of the eighteenth century writers rarely actually cite the sixteen eighty nine confession. Um between seventeen twenty and seventeen ninety it's never reprinted. Um it had gone through about three reprints, I think, between sixteen eighty eight. Uh it's 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 printed in sixteen seventy-seven initially, anonymously, then sixteen eighty-eight. With about a hundred signature uh, about forty signatures, and then um, reaffirmed as the denomination statement of faith in sixteen eighty nine and then goes through I think a couple more maybe two or three printings before seventeen twenty and then is not printed till seventeen ninety um, so the bulk of Anne Dutton's life she there's a good chance she may never have actually seen it um, or read it. But theologically, she falls completely within its uh, parameters. Um, She's a particular Baptist, as I said at the beginning in the biographical sketch. She starts her life as a open communion, starts her Christian life as an open communion, open membership Baptist, um, and ends as a closed communion, closed membership, um, which is allowable within the 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 169, and nine if you include the the appendix that deals with baptism. Um, theologically, she I don't know of any area where she would she would not fit um, the sixty and nine confession. Um, her church is definitely obviously a particular Baptist Church. Um, it's not initially part of there is an association in that area, the Northamptonshire Association. Uh, the church is not part of that association, and I've never been able to figure out uh, why. Uh, but of course, Baptist churches—you know—they're independent, autonomous churches, and whether or not they join an association or not doesn't it doesn't mean that they don't hold to a theological, a certain theological confession. So she's definitely a, a part of particular Baptist life um, in the. Uh, 8th, 19th century, her writings were very appreciated by certain Victorian authors, and then around the turn of the twentieth century, she just disappears, um, as do a host of figures: Anne Steele, Benjamin Bedham, all of these you know eighteenth century figures. Uh, Andrew Fuller, again, um, he disappears uh, by the you know nineteen twenties. Probably Baptists, conservative Baptists, would not know her name at all.
1: Um if someone has heard of the name Anne Dutton and and for the first time and they're interested to learn more about her or or to read her where are some good places to to start
2: Well probably the best place is initially a, a series of volumes that Mercer University Press has been publishing Um I think they've come to the end of the publishing run they've done 7 volumes of her works and they've been edited by a woman named Joanne Ford Watson. Um, Dr. Watson is, I think, mostly interested in Anne Dutton as a woman, um, and thus Anne becomes a kind of feminist icon in some ways. Um, I'm not certain that um, Dr. Watson really fully understands Anne's theological stance and commitments. So at this point in time, those are probably the, the best place to find her writings. I mean, there's a number of them online, um, but there are plans uh, to produce two types of things. One is a small volume of about 30 extracts. Um, RHB, Reformation Heritage Books, um, have asked me to, to put together a small kind of monthly devotional that you could read um, an extract it per day for a month. And um, I'm not sure exactly when that will be available. And then I'm also involved in putting together uh, about four volumes with contributing editors of her writings. Um, the The thing about the Joanne Ford Watson books that Mercy University Press has put out is that uh, they made the decision to uh, replicate uh 18th century punctuation, capitalization, italicization. Um, And so the books, upon the initial read, upon initial look, look identical to the 18th century volumes. Um, For a purist um, who's concerned about what did the text look like in the 18th century, uh, that makes a bit of sense. But for the average reader in the early 21st century, it's very difficult to read. Um. Even I, and I spend a lot of time in that world, you know, it, it's it's not a book I'm going to pick up uh, just to read. So what I'm hoping to do is put together about three or four volumes, uh, one looking at her polemical pieces, one looking at autobiographical and uh, correspondence uh, with people like Wifield, and then one looking at spiritual writings, and then a biography of, of Anne Dutton. And I've asked uh, a scholar named Ian Clary, who's at Colorado Christian University, uh, to do the biography. And then I'll have three other uh, possible editors uh, for the other volumes. Again, I have no idea about timeline. H&E Publishing, um, Hesed and Emeth Publishing, which is based in Ontario, um, Peterborough, Ontario, is going to publish those uh, volumes, hopefully. So I suspect it'll be two or three years. But till then... um, there is stuff online um, that can be found. Um, I've done some academic articles on Anne, two or three. Um, yeah, there's a doctoral thesis by a man named Michael Scoretti on Anne, uh, which I think is available online. Um, very extensive uh, doctoral thesis. So,
0: um, Dr. Hagen, as we begin to wrap up this conversation, we thank you for coming on today. But what final encourages encouragements can you give us about the life and theology of Ann Dutton?
2: Well, I think, um, I, I for, for me, one of the things that is very encouraging about Ann Dutton's life is the, is the fact that she is a woman who holds to the truths uh, that the man who drew up the 169 Confession held to. And she, I think, indicates that there is a place for women to be involved in uh, reflecting theologically, writing about theological themes uh, that can benefit the people of God. Um, one of the fears I have about the the recovery of Calvinistic truth um, in broadly what we call reformed circles um, is that um, it has led to Um, probably a bit of a reaction, uh, against the feminism of our culture. And, um, sometimes I get the impression from some men within that broad movement that really the only thing a woman can do is to, to be a homemaker and bear children and raise them. And those are obviously noble callings, but some women are gifted to be writers. And what place do they have in the kingdom? And I think Anne Dutton, is a good example. Um, she's not a radical feminist by any means, but she does believe that God calls certain women to sort of role that she had, which is writing, and um, and uh, I think that's, that that's an encouragement. Um, it's also an encouragement, I think, to to realize that um, um, here is uh, a woman who spent most of her life, you know, in, in a very small village uh, in England, but had quite. Um, uh, her, her, the, her pen reached all the way over to the United States, South Carolina, um, had an impact upon men who are engaged in active public ministry like Whitfield. And so it does, uh, again, indicate that God uses, um, uh, men and women who might think, you know, I'm in a very restricted sphere of influence. What can I do? Um, I think her life is an encouragement to recognize that God uses um, not simply those who are in the limelight, but there are others who are in the the back, as it were, who are in the shadows, who are just as essential to the work of the kingdom.
1: Amen to to all of that. And Dr. Haken, just thank you so much for coming on and talking about Ann Dutton with us. My Um, pleasure.
2: Yeah, thank you very much.